0: Hello, everyone. Today, as we progress through the Free Basic Cooking Course, Kitchen Clues, we'll be learning about understanding salads. What does that mean? Well, we are going to take a look at different kinds of salads, dressings, and everything in between. Salad comes in many different forms and flavors. It can actually sometimes seem as though the term salad is so broad that it could mean just about anything. And really, it can. But to keep this simple, we're going to narrow this down a bit. We're going to separate this into two main categories, green salads and everything else. The meaning of a green salad should be pretty obvious. It refers to any salad with a base of leafy greens, such as lettuce or spinach. Anything else is, well, it's everything else that we call salad. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5, and this is Understanding Salads. As part of my Kitchen Clueless free basic cooking course, let's get to it green salads we've all eaten green salads everything from spinach salad to caesar salad to toss salad falls in this category although those salads may make up some of the most common leafy green salads they are by no means the only ones there is a seemingly unlimited combination of greens and ingredients that can be used to create delicious green salads now, as leafy greens make up the base of our salads, it's very important which leafy green we choose. They add flavor and texture. It sets the tone for the whole salad. Now, there's so many options out there for leafy greens, it can be hard to decide which one is best for the salad we want to make. If we make the wrong choice, we could end up overpowering the other ingredients. There is also the possibility that we choose greens that are too soft to pair with our garnish or dressing. This can result in soggy greens. Now let's take a look at some common greens and the types of dressings and garnish that we can pair with them. Baby spinach. Baby spinach is a hearty green with a fairly mild flavor. This green can hold up to just about anything. It may even be served with a warm vinaigrette and garnish, though this is more of an autumn-style salad. Baby spinach does really well when balanced with sweet and salty. Sweet ingredients like fresh or dried fruit and berries or even candied nuts work very well. Also, sweeter vinaigrettes like maple, honey, Dijon, and balsamic all work very well too. Bacon is always a great choice to bring that salty element to a spinach salad. It could also come from salted nuts or slightly salty cheese like Parmesan. Speaking of cheese, goat cheese and spinach are always good friends. Arugula. Arugula, also known as rocket, Is a hearty green with a complex, peppery, nutty, spicy flavor. Like spinach, arugula can hold up to just about anything. It is commonly served as a mixture of greens, though it is also delicious on its own. Typically, salads made from arugula are very simple. The simplicity is due to the complexity of flavor coming from the arugula itself. There is no need to add a bunch of extra stuff. Having said that, an acidic vinaigrette balances that complexity. very well. Generally, I serve arugula with a simple lemon vinaigrette. To this, I add some segmented oranges, a little shaved parmesan or asiago, and some toasted almonds. Anything along those lines works very well. Mescaline. Mescaline is really just a mixture of tender baby greens. These greens are typically a little more fragile than arugula or spinach, and they have a much more mild flavor. They do add a lot of color to any salad, though. The great thing about this mixture is it generally tastes great on its own with a light vinaigrette. It doesn't really need much else. Of course, it can be used to make a salad, but it is important to be light-handed with the garnish and dressing as the greens will literally and figuratively collapse under the weight of a lot of the ingredients. A few thinly sliced fresh vegetables and a light dressing is all you need. This makes a really great garnish salad. Iceberg lettuce. Iceberg lettuce is fantastic for toss salads, holds up well against lots of vegetables and thick, rich dressings. Iceberg has a very mild, not uh, neutral flavor and a pleasant crisp texture that is so unique and amazing. In terms of garnish, I always think of pairing iceberg lettuce with whatever vegetables are freshest and lots of them. For dressing, generally something creamy like ranch or French, uh, we want a dressing that is going to coat the lettuce and vegetables and provide a lot of flavor. Iceberg lettuce often gets a bad rap, but for my money, I think it is kind of a rock star of the salad world. To put things into perspective, mescaline would be like a really good classical musician, arugula would be a jazz drummer, and spinach would be a folk singer. Romaine lettuce. Romaine lettuce is most commonly associated with Caesar salad. This is obviously a very common use for this lettuce, but it's not the only one. In North America, you will commonly see romaine in Greek salads, and it's regularly used in Middle Eastern cuisine. Romaine is a surprisingly hearty lettuce and can be cooked if, if if, you want to. Although I'm a fan of both Caesar salad and Greek salad, I prefer to use romaine lettuce in bowls, like a burrito bowl, shawarma bowl, or something like that. The reason is that romaine holds up well to heat. So if I add it... I'd, The romaine to a bowl of hot rice with beans, chicken, salsa, and cheese, I know that the lettuce will hold up. Really, romaine to me is just a great, versatile lettuce. Bib lettuce. Bib lettuce, also known as Boston bib or butter lettuce, has a sweet, silky flavor and a very tender texture. Generally, when used to make a salad, bib lettuce is served whole or in half and drizzled with dressing and sprinkled with garnish. I actually prefer to use bib lettuce for salad wraps. Um, I see them as more of a soft green taco shell than a salad, though they do work for salads as well. I could spend all day just talking about different kinds of greens and lettuces, but we need to move on. I think that this should give you a good idea um, and a decent starting place. I think really the key is to try different greens and experiment a little. You never know what you might fall in love with. Now let's take a look at some common salad dressings. Salad dressing. A good salad dressing should coat your salad but not make it soggy or heavy. The dressing should be vibrant and complement your salad, yet not overpower it. Choosing the right dressing for your salad is just as important as all the other ingredients. You need to find a balance of flavor. The best way to balance the flavor of a salad is to make your own dressing. It is easy, quick, cheap, and delicious. I would venture to guess that you already have all the ingredients you need to make a great salad dressing on hand. You don't need to buy inspe- expensive ingredients, just use what you have. Now, There are two main types of salad dressings. The first type is a vinaigrette, which is based on vinegar and oil. second type is egg and oil-based Blink Caesar salad dressing. And the two types of dressings have a lot in common. For starters, they are both an emulsification of oil and other liquid. Secondly, they are both made in almost the exact same way. Finally, the principles behind both types of dressing are the same. There's one main difference between the two types of dressing. An egg-based dressing is a permanent emulsification. A vinaigrette dressing is a temporary emulsification. This means that unless you you use commercial binders, as they do in store-bought dressings, your vinaigrette will eventually separate. This is fine. When it does separate and you want to use it, just give it a big shake and it'll come back together. What is an emulsification? I've been saying that word a lot. An emulsification is a mixture of two or more liquids that usually don't mix, such as oil and water. An emulsification is facilitated through the use of stabilizers. In the case of an egg-based dressing, the stabilizer or binder, stabilizer, excuse me, or binder is actually the egg itself. More specifically, it is a phospholipid in the egg yolks called lecithin. You don't need to know this, but I want to tell you, just to prove that I know it. So lecicin, which acts as a binder. In a vinaigrette, ground mustard seeds or garlic can do the same thing as the egg yolk in an egg-based dressing. Mustard seeds also have lecithin in them, just like egg yolks do. As I said, the process for both types of dressings is pretty much the same. You start with your base. If you're making an egg-based dressing, this would be your egg. For a vinaigrette, you begin with vinegar and a stabilizer such as mustard or garlic or or something like that. Now, you add your oil, be it olive oil, not oil, or a nutrient-flavored oil such as canola. The key here is that you add the oil slowly. If you add your oil too quickly, you will oversaturate your binder and your emulsification will break, meaning that the oil and the vinegar or oil and water or whatever will separate. After all your oil has been absorbed, Add the rest of your ingredients, such as flavorings and seasonings. Alternatively, you can add your flavorings before your oil, but I find it better to do it after. So just to reiterate, the technique here, whether it's an egg-based dressing or a vinaigrette, is that you have your base in the bowl with your binder. So again, egg yolk is a binder, mustard is a binder. Base is either the egg or vinegar. And then whisk, or using like a blender, Blend it and slowly pour the oil in. If you add it too fast, you're gonna break your mixture. Vinaigrette. When making a vinaigrette, you have a lot of options on how to flavor it. Thus, flavoring begins with the first few ingredients. You can use different flavored oils, such as garlic oil, which is a byproduct of roasting garlic. You can use nut oils or literally any other oil you choose. Same goes for vinegar. Don't limit yourself to just white vinegar. In fact, don't use white vinegar at all. You can use sherry vinegar, blueberry vinegar, balsamic cider, white wine vinegar, red wine vinegar, rice vinegar. All of these will drastically change the flavor of your vinaigrette. If you're going to use flavored oils and vinegar, just think about how that flavor is going to affect the rest of your salad and the rest of your ingredients in your vinegar. And generally, as a rule of thumb, if I'm using a flavored vinegar, I don't use a flavored oil. If I'm using flavored oil, I don't use a flavored vinegar. I have included a few recipes on the website. You go to chefsnotes.com forward slash understanding dash salads. You'll find a recipe for a basic vinaigrette, a honey Dijon vinaigrette, a maple balsamic vinaigrette, and a lemon chive vinaigrette. And again, that's chefsnotes.com forward slash understanding dash salads. Egg-based dressing. Egg-based dressings are made in exactly the same way as basic vinaigrettes. The difference being an egg is used rather than mustard as the binder. As with a vinaigrette, egg-based dressings benefit from the use of flavored oils and vinegar. Again, it just comes down to what other ingredients are present in your dressing and in your salad. There is some concern with egg-based vinaigrettes because the egg is used raw. The health department suggests that you pasteurize your eggs first, but no one does this. And I think that there is enough acid coming from the vinegar that there isn't too much of a worry. Having said that, if you would prefer not to use a raw egg to make your dressing, uh, you can use mayonnaise instead or a pasteurized egg. If you're going to use mayonnaise as the base, you may have to thin it out with a little more vinegar and then just whisk your flavorings into it. Easy enough. For egg-based dressings, some people will use the whole egg and some will just use egg yolk. I prefer to just use the egg yolk. Um, And if you're not going to use the egg white, don't waste it. It can be frozen in a small container and thawed when you want to make a meringue or something like that. Well, I find that just using the yolk will give me a thicker, creamier dressing than using the whole egg. You can try both ways and see which one you prefer. The process is exactly the same either way. One yolk can emulsify about one cup of oil. Now, to be fair, you can emulsify more oil than that, but I find that one cup is kind of the op- optimal amount. Anything after one cup and you are risking the structure of your emulsification. Other than flavored oils and vinegars, there are lots of things that you can add to your dressing to flavor it. Really, just about anything you want. This is where you can get creative. Honestly, add anything you want from pieces of apple, anchovy to caramelized onion to bacon. It's really up to you. And again, if you go to chefsnotes.com forward slash understanding dash salads, you can find recipes for a basic egg dressing, Caesar dressing as well, which is also an egg-based dressing. Dairy-based dressings. I said that there were two main types of salad dressing. This is true, but it isn't the whole truth. Although the two I've already mentioned are the two main ones, there is a third. The third type of salad dressing is dairy-based. Dairy-based dressings are generally made from some kind of fermented or cultured dairy, such as yogurt, sour cream, or buttermilk. The dairy-based dressing that really stands out is ranch. There's some others that are generally... Uh, One offs rather than really common. Now, when using yogurt or sour cream, it really just comes down to thinning it out with liquid, adding more acid to it, and then flavoring it. Buttermilk is usually used with other bases to add tart, creamy flavor. Salad garnish. Now, as we talked about a little bit when talking about greens, a salad garnish can be just about anything. Fresh vegetables, fresh or dried fruit and berries, cold sliced meats, cooked or smoked seafood, cheese, nuts, and seeds. Although just about anything can be a salad garnish, that doesn't mean that everything should be all the time. What I mean by that is when it comes to garnishing a salad, generally less is more. Now, as far as I know, there aren't any really hard and fast rules for when, what, and how much of something should be added to a salad. I would just say to use your better judgment. If something seems really out of place, Probably avoid it. The only other thing I would say about garnish is just to make sure that the ingredients you are using are the best quality they can be. There is no hiding a mushy tomato or sour grapes in a salad. The Oxford Dictionary describes a salad as a cold dish of various mixtures of raw or cooked vegetables, usually seasoned with oil, vinegar, or other dressing, and sometimes accompanied by meat, fish, or other ingredients. Now, when we think about types of salad that don't include lettuce, the main one that probably comes to mind, or at least that comes to my mind, is potato salad. Of course, that isn't the only one. The picture above, as you can see in the post, chefsnuts.com forward slash understanding salads, is for a Greek chickpea salad, the recipe which you can find in that post. When it comes to making salads without greens, there really aren't any rules at all. As the de- definition from the Oxford Dictionary says, a salad can be just about anything although I would actually argue that this definition is too narrow. Salads don't have to be cold. A roasted vegetable salad tossed with arugula can be both hot or cold, The potato salad can be served hot in the French style or cold in the North American style. The point is that anything you want to make into a salad, you can. All the same, principles apply for these types of salad as they do for green salads. Don't overpower your main ingredient with dressing or garnish. Don't make a soggy salad. You can use... Uh, you can even, even use all the same dressings. There isn't too much else that I can say about the difference and similarities between these types of salad. So let's actually just look at two specific examples, potato salad and chickpea Greek salad. Potato salad. Potato salad is one of those ubiquitous barbecue and potluck sides that everyone makes. And somehow everyone thinks they make the best version of it. But if we're being honest, a lot of versions of potato salad are completely terrible. All too often, it just tastes like mayonnaise and a bit of raw onion and potato mixed in. Not very appetizing. But what makes a good potato salad and what makes a bad one? Let's take a look. The do's and don'ts of potato salad. When making potato salad, there are a handful of things that people often get wrong and also a handful of things that people often get right. The first and most important part to think about when making potato salad is, of course, the potato. All too often, people will use a variety of potato that is watery or mealy. These have a tendency to become waterlogged if overcooked. They also fall apart easily, leaving you with a bowl full of mashed potato salad, which sounds pretty gross, unless you're into that kind of thing. Now, generally, a waxy variety of potato is best for potato salad. Potatoes like Yukon Gold, Fingerlings, New Potatoes, or Red Bliss are all examples of this. All of these hold their shape well when cooked. This gives texture and body to potato salad. I find it is always best to cook the potatoes a day ahead and let them cool in the fridge. This allows the starches time to set and the potatoes to cool. Plus, it's just less work on the day and that's always a good thing. Now, we've talked about potatoes before, um, but what else should go in our potato salad? What about other ingredients? Other potato salad ingredients. Now, other common ingredients in a potato salad include egg, peas, onion, herbs, and bacon. Let's take a look at how each of these Uh, excuse me, let's take a look at each of these and see what our options are and whether we should use them or not. Now, in all honesty, whether you put eggs in your potato salad or not comes down to taste rather than right or wrong. I think yes, but that's because I really like eggs. I find that they add a nice texture uh, to the potato salad. Also, the yolk, even when hard-boiled, can help to thicken the sauce. If you're going to use eggs in your potato salad, cook them a day ahead and let them fully cool. I also like to add onions to my potato salad. It were, If you generally add chopped white or red onion to your potato salad, that's fine, but maybe mix it up once in a while. Chopped green onion or chives make a great addition to any potato salad. Their flavor is more mellow than white or red onion, and so they have less of a tendency to overpower the other ingredients in the salad. If you do choose to add red or white onion to your potato salad, dice them as fine as you can. This will lower their impact and make for a more pleasant eating experience. Adding fresh herbs to your potato salad is an easy and delicious way to elevate it a little bit. A little parsley, dill, and even tarragon and mint can go a long way. This simple act of adding a few chopped fresh herbs will have such a massive impact on the overall flavor of the salad. I'm serious. You won't believe the difference a few herbs can make. Should you put bacon in potato salad? Depends. I'm absolutely not opposed to putting bacon in potato salad as long as it's done for the right reasons. Are you putting bacon in the salad because it adds a smoky, salty element that the salad is missing? Does it add a little crunch that you would, um, that would add to the textural experience? Does it add to the nuance of the potato salad? Or are you adding bacon to, to potato salad because it's bacon and bacon is supposed to make everything better? If that's the case, then don't. Add it because it should be there, not because it's just there. Over the past decade or so, there's been a trend that bacon to everything. You've heard that bacon makes everything better, right? Wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love bacon. What I don't love is adding unnecessary ingredients to dishes just for the sake of adding them. Also, adding bacon to a mediocre potato salad does not make it better. It just makes it a mediocre potato salad with bacon in it. Use bacon when it adds to the potato salad, not just because it's bacon. I really like adding peas to a potato salad. This is in part because my mother always did, and partially because I love peas. Should they be in every potato salad? No. I usually only use them when I'm recreating my mother's potato salad or I'm making a version of it that has mint or dill in it. Peas go really well with both of those flavors. I do find that peas add a nice fresh sweetness to the salad. It also uh, is just very important that if you're going to use peas, not to overcook them. When done right, they add a vibrant green color and a fresh, sweet flavor that pops in your mouth. When done wrong, they add a grayish-green color and a, balance and a bland flavor along with a mushy texture. Like bacon, add peas only when it makes sense, not just because they're peas. The sauce. If the potatoes are the most important part of the potato salad, the sauce comes in at a very close second. There are many variations on a potato salad dressing. Mine changes, as I'm sure yours does, based on the other ingredients present in the salad, but mostly I use a mayonnaise base. Sometimes vinegar or mustard is the base as well, but often it's just mayo. Now I will often take, let's say, half a cup of mayonnaise and add one tablespoon of mustard. This could be regular yellow mustard, Dijon or grainy mustard. I add one tablespoon of vinegar. Uh, This could be red or white wine vinegar white distilled vinegar, sherry vinegar, or even cider vinegar. I add one to two teaspoons of sugar or honey. I also add a few chopped gherkins or dill pickles, which add a nice crunch and flavor. I finish it with a little paprika, whether smoked or sweet. I taste and adjust the seasoning as needed with salt and pepper and add it to the salad. Making potato salad. I'm not going to give you an actual recipe for this because you don't need one, but here's a rough idea. Boil about a pound of waxy potatoes. Let them cool. Dice the potatoes and combine with a couple of boiled eggs. Chopped green onions, one to two teaspoons of fresh dill, one to two teaspoons of fresh parsley, one to two chopped gherkins, and uh, add in some just boiled and cooled peas along with the dressing I just described. Done and done. Uh, and if you go to chefslin's.com forward slash understanding salads, you'll also find the recipe for the chickpea uh, grease salad. Ooh. Salads are a great way to add greens and fresh fruit and vegetables to your diet. They can also be as simple or complex as you want. You can use homemade or store-bought dressing, and you can dress it up however you want. Experiment, play around, and have fun. To me, that is what salads are all about. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this part of my free basic cooking course. You can check out uh, the previous episode, uh, just in my episodes list. And in the next episode, we'll be looking at some basic meals that everyone should know how to make. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5. I will see you on Friday. Have a great Wednesday and Thursday, everybody. I'll talk to you soon.